This is Imperfect Action. I'm Brock Edwards. And of course, this is the show, the podcast where we're looking for ideas and inspiration to help us get out of our own way uh, and really take that first step or take that next step. And today's guest, Michael Roderick, uh, he was introduced to me and and this was how he was introduced. It was that Michael helps thoughtful givers become thought leaders. And so I'm really curious about that. And so, Michael, can you give us a quick introduction? And then in that introduction, why was I introduced to you that way? Like, how do you do that? <laughs> sure, sure. Um, so, so yeah, so uh, the work that I do is uh, helping thoughtful givers become thought leaders. And I do it through the process of helping them create referable brands. So we've sort of hit this really interesting point where everybody is sort of teaching us how to be different. Uh, and as a result, everybody's different is starting to sound the same. So what I started to look at is how do you package your ideas in such a way that more people share them, that more people talk about them. And one of the things that I also discovered was that a lot of people who are very good at giving and very good at supporting others and helping others usually don't spend enough time packaging themselves and figuring out sort of how are they going to sell their ideas or their concepts? How are they going to get their uh, material out into the world? And I love helping people who are really, really great at helping others and supporting others take that time to really look within themselves and come up with a message that is memorable, that is easy to refer and easy to talk about. You know, one of the things that comes to mind, and this actually happens often, is that the people who guest on this show have jobs that their high school career counselor would have never pointed them toward, you you know, like (laughs) (laughs) what you just described. If you, if you had gone to your high school counselor and said, you know, I I, I want to basically help everyone's different, um, not sound the same. You know, I want to make sure that I'm helping connect people and helping them get their message out. You know, like, where do you go with that? So how do you end up in that career? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so it's, uh, it's quite the, uh, it's quite the journey. Uh, so I started out as a high school English, English teacher and I went from being a high school English teacher to a Broadway producer in under two years. Uh, so a lot of people were very curious as to how I had, uh, moved that quickly and sort of gotten into that, gotten into that field. And when I was asked about it, I basically decided that it would be interesting to study, Uh, networking. So what I did was I started hosting workshops where I would simulate one-on-one meetings, job interviews, and cocktail parties, and basically have people act out these uh, particular scenarios. And what I noticed was that there were a lot of patterns in terms of how people interact with each other. And I started to develop frameworks based on those patterns. So I was teaching people how to build relationships effectively. It started first with people in the arts world, then it moved into people in the business world. But every single time I was teaching, I would have people say, I always remember your content. I always remember your stuff. It's always top of mind for me. How do you do that? How do I take my ideas and make them as easy to access, as easy to remember as yours? So I started to kind of play around with that and I started to teach more people about this process of uh, referable brand and specifically, how do you become accessible? How do you become influential? How do you become memorable? And it really just kind of took off and a lot of people uh, found it was helping their business. So I decided, okay, I'm gonna keep focusing in this area and doing and doing this work. And that's, uh, 
very quick, you know, kind of Reader's Digest version, if you will. But that's uh, that's where how I ended up to what I'm doing today. All right. So without divulging any trade secrets here, you know, like what is the four step, six step, whatever process that uh, what are some practical things that someone could do that would help them uh, make their brand more more memorable? Sure. Uh, So the first thing is the accessibility side of things. A lot of the time, what happens is we, we live in a world where in the academic world, complexity is rewarded. So if you went to school, then you were always going to have to write some kind of paper that had all of these words that you probably would never use again in your life, right? And as a result, you tend to overcomplicate a lot of the things that you do and a lot of the things that you explain. So you'll meet people and they'll tell you that they do uh, social media strategy, let's just say, for somebody. And then they'll go into all of these terms that a lot of people don't get, a lot of people don't understand. And you'll have these folks being like, well, what? I don't understand. Like, what is it that you do? And what it comes down to is you have to sit down and you have to say, okay, if I could explain the work that I do and the way that I help someone to a five-year-old, what would it sound like? And you really just take the time to say, how do I simplify this idea? And how do I boil it down to one sentence or one metaphor? How do I help somebody understand something that if they're not part of my industry, if they're not part of what I like to refer to as the echo chamber of the enlightened, how do they get the concept of the work that I do? So echo chamber of the enlightened, that's a, that's a funny phrase. Tell me about that. So basically when we uh, decide that our industry is part of our identity, right? So if you're in the personal development world or if you're in the tech world or uh, you're, you're in any number of industries where there's bunch, there are a bunch of people who are sort of thought leaders, what happens is everybody starts using the same words. Everybody starts saying the same thing. Everybody starts talking about the same, the same stuff. And for everybody in that room, it totally makes sense because we all understand the same language. We all understand the same words. But you go outside of that industry and most of the time people are like, what the heck are you talking about? And perfect example is theater. So anybody listening to this who is in theater, if I said uh, I have to get off book, they would understand exactly what I'm saying right now. But for a lot of people, the idea of getting off book sounds completely foreign. And what it actually means is you memorize your lines so that you can actually perform without holding a script. But to actors, there's the shorthand of get off book, which for a lot of people, they wouldn't know unless they were in that world. And the echo chamber of the enlightened is this space where everybody's saying the same thing. You're always hearing the same stuff because everybody knows that language in that industry. But you go outside of that industry and nobody has any idea. And the podcast world is the total, total same thing. If you're talking to another podcaster and you're using uh, concepts that are in the podcasting world that everybody knows about or everybody's heard about in that world, then everybody's like, yeah, I totally get it. But somebody outside of the podcast industry, somebody who has never done a podcast would have no idea what it is that you're talking about. 
you know, as you point out, so if you're immersed in this language, in this terminology, how do you think like someone who isn't? Or, you know, how do you get the communication mm -hmm. to where um, it is understandable? Because you, yeah, you're immersed, you know, all the shorthands, that's how you think. Yep. That's a, that's, that's a great question. You have conversations with people outside of your industry. So a lot of the time what happens is we get so caught up by having conversations with people in our industry that we never explore having to actually explain to somebody outside of our industry what it is that we do. So what you can do is I like to refer to it as an innovation board, where what you do is you find five or six people in your world who are not in your industry at all. And you say, hey, can I tell you what I do? And can you just ask me questions about what you don't understand? And you will be blown away by the responses that you get. Some people will hear what you're saying and, and they'll reflect something back to you that completely blows your mind. That you're just like, oh, I never thought about the fact that that's the same way that I do this. Because we're always looking for an anchor, right? We're always looking for a way to associate certain ideas. So for other people, when we're talking to them, if they're not in our industry, they're going to try to come up with a way to anchor that idea or anchor that concept that they understand and that they get. So sometimes your best tagline doesn't come from you. It comes from your aunt who's working at a school in South Dakota who says, oh yeah, you totally do this for these types of people. And you had no idea that that would, that it could be that simple. So, all right. So that's a process in and of itself, you know, cause it's hard enough to narrow down to here's what I do in, you know, my 30 second elevator speech. And then mm -hmm. now you've added this other process of, okay, now let's translate it to human talk. So, mm -hmm. you know, other people will know what it is. Um, so what next? Once I've got my message down to where it's a clear, concise, other people understand it, where do I go from there to help make it stand out amongst the noise of everyone else who's trying to get their message out? Yeah. So very, very often uh, we don't necessarily think about the fact that we're, we have a network and that network has a certain, uh, has a certain amount of influence. So if we want to get a sense of like what's working and what's not, we need people who have larger platforms to share our ideas, to see what's resonating and what's not working. So once you've got that message, it's about going out there and starting to test that message and seeing which things are people getting an understanding and, and finding on a larger scale. So yes, you've sat down one-on-one -on -one and now you've gotten a better understanding of, okay, this is the best way to explain it. But how does a large group understand it? How does a large group get this particular concept? And that comes down to influential platforms, right? You find people who have platforms where they're talking to a larger group of people so that you can see what ideas and what concepts of yours are really resonating, are really working, and which things are kind of falling flat. And then you can start to narrow down that message. You can start to play around with, okay, this is the tagline or this is the thing that everybody wants me to talk about versus this is the thing that when I talk about, it kind of gets crickets. 
like very, very few people ask me about this or very, very few people have any level of uh, level of interest. So you want to go from that sort of one to one to one to many so that you can start to see which of your ideas have the most influence, which of your ideas are the things that people say, oh, yes, I I totally remember that. I think that that particular concept is is really, really powerful. And an example of this would be there are four ways to think about asking. So if you're thinking about asking for something, there are four ways to think about it. And it spells the word dime. And this makes it easier for you to remember. So the first is direct, which is the most common. Like everybody will go and say like, hey, can I have this or can I do that? But the problem with direct asking is that it triggers the fight or flight response. So if I go to you and I ask you directly for something, you have a moment where your your primitive brain is in control and you want to say yes or no, you're in fight or flight uh, to basically just like get out of the situation. So if I don't know you at all and I ask you for something, very, very often you're going to say no or you're just going to ignore me. Now, if I take, go up to the next level, which is indirect asking, and I ask you a question about what it is I'm trying to accomplish. So rather than going to you and saying, hey, uh, Brock, can you give me $25,000? I say, hey, Brock, I'm working on raising money for this charity that I think is going to really change, really change the world and change our political landscape. And we're trying to raise $25,000. Do you have any ideas? There is a very good chance that you as a thought partner now will have ideas. And in some cases, you may say, oh, yes, I know somebody who I think would want to be involved in this. Or I know somebody who I think would want to help you. Or if you were very passionate about that idea or that concept, you yourself may say that you're interested in investing or donating or whatever the scenario is. And then you can take an even higher level to the mutually beneficial ask, where basically you present how both parties will benefit in your conversation. And this works all the time in sponsorship scenarios where you say, listen, it sounds like your ideal client uh, has a lifetime value of about $5,000. I'm doing this event and you can, there's basically a sponsorship component where you can present to this audience of about a hundred people who fit this particular category for you. And the table costs 500. I've already done all of the math and I've shown how both parties benefit. So instantly you're like, oh yes, I totally get it. And then the last one is the extraordinary where basically we always sort of have this aspect of, we think, oh, well, if I, um, if I reach out to this person uh, who maybe I read their book or maybe I saw their, uh, saw their ideas and I say like, hey, can I talk to you? They're never going to respond to me because they're too busy. But so, so often these high level people don't get asked as much. They don't get uh, as many people reaching out to them. And most of the time when those people are reaching out to them, they're reaching out to them directly. So if you're the person who reaches out in an indirect way or a mutually beneficial way, you completely stand out from everyone else. So that explanation will stick in somebody's head because they think about the idea of dime. It's easy to remember. And each of those principles are easy to understand. So that when you do something like that and you actually test it out on a larger audience, now you can see what does that audience talk about? So if we go back after this podcast and you ask people, which thing do they remember? 
and a bunch of your listeners come back and say, oh, I remember the dime concept, then I know that that's a concept that is easy to remember, that's easy, easily shareable, and that's something I should use in another podcast and in another presentation. So that is a really memorable concept, and, and I love that it is so easy to remember, but it hinges on a little bit this idea of, of a network, of having people to, to reach out to. Mm-hmm. And I suspect, although I don't know this is true, that many people would say, well, you know, they don't have that good of a network. Mm-hmm. And um, and yet, for, uh, you know, in I'm always playing devil's advocate from the other side of it. You know, there was a study done years ago that said, you know, everyone is basically six people away from someone else. That's at six degrees of separation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I suspect it's even smaller given the internet and if I narrow out all the people that I don't actually want to talk to, you know, my best guess is I'm probably two to three degrees at most from the people that I want to actually reach out to and talk to. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if that's true. That's just my best guess. So anyway, um, I guess I'm getting to two separate questions here. One is, um, is my network good enough? And two, if not, you know, how do I, how do I build it out to where it is helpful to me? Sure. Uh, so, so the first the the first aspect of is your network good enough uh, is the type of thing where we all have to start somewhere. So uh, it's it's not really helpful to sort of look and say like, okay, my network's not where it you know my network's not where it needs to be for me to for me to make these things make these things happen. And what I often find is that a lot of the time when people sort of downplay their network, uh, they, they find out that there are actually a lot of people in that network that they had no idea had the kind of access and had the kind of uh, ability that they thought they did. So a lot of the time we sort of discount people based on their sometimes their profession, sometimes the work that they do, and we don't know who it is that they actually know. And that ties really well into the second question, which is if we educate our network in terms of what it is that we're looking for and what it is that we need, a lot of the time, the most unlikely person will make the introduction that we need, the introduction that we're looking for. And this ties to a study that was done uh, by Robert Granovetter, which was the study of weak ties. And basically what he did was he took two groups of college students. And the first group asked their close friends and family for jobs. And the second group asked people that they barely knew for jobs, people that they've maybe met once or twice. And the second group outperformed the first because these people who they barely knew had access to networks that were completely outside of their network. And there were all sorts of opportunities that came as a result of that. And the people who know us and who have known us forever, we tend to stay within those same circles. Going back to this uh, echo chamber of the enlightened kind of idea, it's the same type of thing. If we're all in the same circle, we're going to make a lot of introductions to the same types of people. But if you go and you say, okay, who did I go to school with? Or who do I go and uh, play uh, a particular sport with? Or who do I know that's also really interested in this particular band or this particular type of music? And what if I asked them about 
what I'm looking for. You have no idea who they know or who they're connected to. One of the things I like to say is that everybody's a celebrity to somebody, but celebrity is relative to everybody. So we may think of somebody as a major celebrity and think, oh my God, I wish I could talk to that particular person. But to somebody else, that's the person they went to college with. That's their best friend. That's that person who hung out with them once at this, you know, at this party who they've stayed in touch with all of their lives. We don't know what those relationships are. So a lot of the time we look at our network, we say, oh, well, I don't really have a network, but we could literally be sitting on a gold mine if we, if we let the people within our networks know what we actually need, because they may be way closer than we think they are. You know, uh, I think it was Harvey McKay, if I'm remembering his name right, that wrote a book once called Dig Your Well Before You're Thirsty. Mm-hmm. And it was basically the idea that, uh, unfortunately, most people start developing their network about three years after they, you know, <laughs> well, they, they try to start from ground zero right when they desperately need a good network. And it would have been great if they had built it in advance. Well, we're talking kind of specific. Okay, I'm reaching out about a specific reason, but I'm going to take it just a little more general. In general, how do you actively cultivate a a network? And I know a lot of people hate the term network, but you know, how do you actively cultivate having interesting people around you that can help you and that you can help them? Yeah. So I have a, I have a process that I feel works really, really well. And I call it the gate strategy. And the idea of the gate strategy is that every day you open and close the gate and gate stands for give, ask, thank, and experiment. So first is give. So every day find some opportunity to give to someone in your network and without any expectation of return, just help them out in some way. It can be the simplest of things. It can be an intro. It could be sending them something uh, interesting to read. It could be shouting them out on social media, but whatever it is, you basically focus on just giving something where it's just, you just sort of help them out. And this builds credibility because you are showing that you're not trying to get anything. It, you know, you just are, you're just helping. And every single day, ask for something that you need. Let somebody know what it is that you're looking for, what it is that you could use help with, because people love to feel useful. They hate to feel used. So if you go to somebody and you treat them like a tool to get what you want and you say, hey, I saw that you know so-and-so, I want this, make this introduction, then most of the time they're going to say no. But if you say, hey, I'm really trying to make this thing happen and I think this person could be really helpful, what do you think? What are your ideas? And get them into a conversation with you about what it is you're trying to accomplish. And they will want to be useful. They will want to help you sort that particular problem out, especially if it's a problem that's interesting to them. And again, with the asking, you don't have to ask directly. You can ask in an indirect way. You can ask in a mutually beneficial way. You can do those extraordinary asks where you reach out to somebody who you never thought would respond And if you do that and you ask every day, you're going to start to see patterns in 
which asks are working and which asks are not. You're also going to see patterns in when you give and sort of help others, which people are responsive to that give, which people say thank you, which people come back to you and say, I'd love to help you or, or thank you so much or, you know, have a reciprocity sort of impulse as a result of that. Like you'll start to notice patterns in those individuals. And then the T is for thank. And this is something I would say 90% of people do not do well because a thank you is something that often is a throwaway. So very, very often somebody will thank us for an opportunity by sending us an email and saying, thanks so much. Maybe every once in a while you might get like, I don't know, some cookies in the mail or something like that. But how often is it that somebody comes to you and says, this is what you did for me. This is what it did and the impact it had in my life. And this is what it meant. And I really, truly want to thank you for that. Like, How often do you get that kind of message? So if every day you make it a point to identify someone within your network that you have not talked to who has done something for you and just say thank you for what they're putting out there, it completely transforms the network. Again, it's one of those things where now you are top of mind with that individual and that individual feels appreciated. Again, they feel useful and not used. So this network now is seeing you as somebody who's letting them know what it is that you need. They see you as somebody who's giving. They see you as somebody who's being thoughtful and thanking. And then the last thing that you do, and this is probably one of the most powerful things, is you experiment. You test all of these different ways of reaching out to people, of developing relationships. So maybe you often meet people for coffee. Maybe one week uh, you decide that you're going to meet somebody for an exercise class instead. And maybe you've uh, spent most of your time, the only way that you've given has been introductions. Maybe you decide um, one day that you're going to give away some tickets to an event that you can't go to and say like, hey, I can't go to this, but this would be great for the people in my network. So if you're doing that every single day, if you're opening and closing the gate, not only are you gathering significant data on your network and sort of who who is helpful to you and who is not and getting a better understanding of who are your advocates in your world, like who's really helping you, but you're also building so much credibility and so much of a flow. The problem that most people have when it comes to their, their networks is that they don't create a flow. They basically are either just going and asking all the time from their network or they're doing the opposite and they're just giving and helping and supporting everybody and burning themselves out. You want to create a healthy flow within that network and that will make a network that loves you, that wants to support you and a network that will keep things moving and a network that will want to grow. People will want to introduce you if you are the type of person who is always helping and supporting and building a flow within the network and the people that you know. All right. So I you know, love the ideas. I love the, the practicality of it. I mean, to me, that's just a simple framework that is easy to follow, is easy to think about, is um, giving and always building in a, in a way that, to me, that feels very authentic. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think most of where people generally get stuck with networking is that it feels inauthentic or they're reaching out in desperation. Um, versus it, it being more of a, a cultivation. So how do you meet new people for your network? Mm. 
like how do you expand it? And, and I realize all these things you could give, you know, day long workshops on. Sure. But, you know, <laughs> um, do, do you have another four letter acronym for, you know, how do you, uh, you know, hey, I would love to meet this person versus just letting the network grow organically? Sure, sure. Uh, so one of the concepts that I think is really useful is what I like to call associative leverage. Um, and associative leverage ties to the idea that if you see that I am talking with somebody uh, who maybe is uh, at a higher level or more influential, you will make the assumption that that is the network that I have and you will start to introduce me to people at that higher level. So I often tell people that when you are building a network, one of the things that you want to do is you want to actually think about it from uh, more of a uh, vertical uh, kind of side of things than a horizontal. So rather than saying, okay, I'm going to uh, just sort of build this network with people who are in my industry and who are at the same level as me, what you do is you look at, okay, who are the people who I aspire to be like, who are the people that I would love to meet? Who are the people that I'd love to connect with? And then who are the people who I could mentor and who I could help and who I could support? And then ideally what you want to do is you want to create environments in which you bring a lot of those people together. So one thing that I've found that's been really, really effective uh, for a lot of the clients that I've worked with is the idea of putting together a panel. Uh, because if you put together a panel, you are providing uh, an enormous amount of content, but you're also getting a lot of people who normally would not take a one-on-one -on -one meeting with you to sit down with you and answer a lot of your questions. And podcasts follow a very, very similar model. Basically, people who are at higher levels, they love to leverage their time. They hate to trade it. So they don't want to necessarily sit down and have a one-on-one -on -one coffee, but they'll do an interview or they'll sit on a panel because then they can share their expertise with a much, much larger audience. Now, if you are trying to build your network, one of the best things you can do is say, okay, who are people that I would love to meet and that I'd love to talk to? What is a panel around a topic that I could put together in my town or even virtually if you wanted to do it? And then who are the people who this content would be really valuable to and really interesting to? And how do I invite them? So now let's say you're hosting a panel and you've invited a room full of people and you ask friends, hey, do you know of anybody who might be interested in checking this out? Well, now you get a full room of people. You've done this panel presentation there's a very good chance a lot of other people are going to reach out to you and say, I want to get to know you, or they want to make introductions for you, or maybe they want to do another panel with you or another experience with you. So your network grows much, much quicker. So we, you could do one to two, you could do one-on-one -on -one meetings and you would grow your network uh, incrementally. It would be a pretty small uh, growth phase, or you could do leveraged activities like hosting a panel. Uh, <clears throat> hosting a panel, hosting a dinner, putting together a gathering. Uh, and when you do that, even like a happy hour type of type of scenario, people will invite other people that they think should know about you and should know about the network that you have. So your network grows significantly faster when you do that. Well, we've covered a lot of ground here today, Michael. Um, <laughs> a lot of ground. Is there anything that I haven't asked you about that would be really important for the listeners to know? Uh, I would say kind of the biggest thing is 
a lot of the time people discount their their ability. So so they'll look at somebody, uh, they'll listen to somebody on a podcast like this, or they'll they'll see somebody or they'll read somebody's stuff and they'll say, what could I possibly offer this person if I were to reach out to them? And I just want to make sure that you remember that you just don't know what value you could provide to somebody else. You have no idea what it is that they're struggling with or what it is that they're looking for until you reach out and until you ask. So don't make the assumption that you have nothing to offer. Go out there and offer and you'll be amazed at how helpful you can actually be to people even at significantly higher levels than you if you just reach out to them and you just let them know that you're there, that you're willing to help, that you're willing to support. You never know what kind of help you could provide. So don't cut yourself off before you make that ask. Excellent. Michael, it has been a pleasure having you on. Uh, Two last questions for you here. Um, One is where can people find you? Sure. Uh, so I have a website called uh, smallpondenterprises.com. And uh, if people go on there, uh, I've got a PDF that's uh, that they can get called Hang With Your Heroes, where I kind of break down some of these uh, relationship building principles. And they also are invited if they get that PDF to be on my daily email. So I read a daily email basically riffing on a lot of these topics and, and talking about a lot of these things. And then I'm pretty much all over social. Uh, so I'm on the book of faces. I'm, I'm, I'm at the LinkedIn, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in all the places. So, uh, always feel free to reach out and I'm always more than happy to be helpful wherever I can. I'm always happy to chat. So feel free to reach out if I can be helpful. Well, and the, the flip side of that is how can people help you? So I think uh, the thing that I always look at is what are the ways to continue to spread the word and continue to have these types of conversations. So if you're out there and you're listening and you have a platform and you think that some of this information would be helpful to the people on your platform, whether that be you host a podcast or you do interviews for a particular thing or you have a group. Uh, I'm more than happy to chat and see if uh, what I can do would be would be helpful. Because the more I spread this message, the more really, really great people, really, really thoughtful givers get the opportunity to get their message out there and ask for the things that they want. And that's just a win for everybody. Nice. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. 